Hello, darling. Today we're talking about Incredibles 2. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and good fashion sense. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. So, The Incredibles 2. Did you see it? We saw it. Not at the same time, but we no. saw it. <laughs> Hopefully you've done your homework uh, willingly this week uh, to go out and see a film 14 years in the making. Have they or in, been... in the waiting, okay. I suppose. 14 years in the waiting. Like, that's a long time, even for Pixar. <laughs> I think it took like a year and a half tops, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> probably. I don't know. I have no idea how long a Pixar movie takes to make. Typically about four, four and a half years. Okay. Typically. So more than one and a half. Unless you're the good dinosaur, then it takes about six. Oh, the good dinosaur. Oh. You were the chosen one. <laughs> I actually, that movie's really pretty and I stand by that. Yes. I don't, yes, it is pretty. But let's talk about Incredibles 2. Yes. Which, um, before we get into discussing the film, I do want to talk a little bit about The Incredibles the first, just slightly talk about our remembrances of that and also i would love for you to talk about how you saw the incredibles 2 okay can do so um sh let's let's start with what we remember about the incredibles not necessarily what it was about but what do you remember about ha watching the original incredibles this is a tricky one for me because I saw it when it came out, like the first weekend in theaters, and then I watched it again uh, about 12 hours before saw The Incredibles 2. <laughs> um, I like The Incredibles. I do. I don't love it like everyone else does. Um, I think there's a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack. I remember that it was a superhero movie about a family of superheroes that discovers how super it is to be a family. Um, and uh, they have, nice. yeah, thank you. I've been working on that, workshopping it. Um, and the villain is someone who wants to be them, but completely misunderstands what it means to be them. Mm. And if I gave you my, my summary before I rewatched it, that would probably be the entirety of what I remember and then there's Edna Mode. Edna. Yeah. My bad impression notwithstanding, um, she, she's wonderful. Your bad bird impression? Oh, wow. Wow. So, <laughs> can we talk about how much Syndrome looks like Brad Bird? Does he? Yeah. Have you seen Brad Bird? Not lately. I'm clearly going to have to right now. Yeah, search Brad Bird and then search Syndrome. And just, it's it's a little freaky, just how much uh, Syndrome looks like Brad Bird. Okay, the Google image search where it turns up the Brad Bird picture where he's wearing the round glasses in front of the Incredibles 2 poster. Like, that's just, I feel like playing into it, possibly. <laughs> I agree. With those glasses, yes. <laughs> so what I remember about The Incredibles, the original, and I haven't seen it in three years. So long. I know it's been a while for me. Um, so what I remember is just fun, family um, silliness playing around with conventions and superheroes and feeling real and having real emotions and just like the snazziest music ever 
in a superhero film. Just snazzy. Um, just the themes and the bongo drums and the 60s style and the blah, 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 blah. Like, it's like basically a spy movie, but it's a superhero movie. Lots of, lots of horn. Uh, lots of what? Horn. Horn. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, that's. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, were there lots of horned animals? Like. No, horn. <laughs> Musical instruments. Um, <laughs> horn based. Musical instruments. I believe I believe they're called um, brass. A lot of brass. Okay. I should say brass. So you have a, a lot of aesthetic remembrance of Incredibles 1. Yes. It was very stylish. Um, it feels like a f- total film designed by Edna Mode. I so think that's if, the point, isn't it? I think it is the point. It's Edna's world. We all just live in it. Accurate. If, if we were in The Incredibles. <laughs> okay. So, so with so, that, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so do you remember much about the, like, does the character or plot stick with you as much as the aesthetic? I think for me, the plot does. Um, it. What I remember most about it is Mr. Incredible and his mountain of lies. Like... <laughs> Like, that's what I remember most, that Mr. Incredible is not too great of a person. And the whole (laughs) movie is based on him slowly turning into a better person. Yeah, that's fair. I I didn't remember that much at all. Rewatching it, I I realized, like, how bad of a husband Mr. Incredible is. Uh, Bad husband, bad father. Bad man. Bad man. Um, have, did you rewatch it? Or do you, you just saw it three years ago? That's the last time you've seen it. I saw it three years ago and I did a um, a mental rewatch. <laughs> you replayed it in your head? I replayed it. I did. So I, I sat there and, and closed my eyes and tried to recall as many plot points as I could. Um, the great moment with... Uh, Syndrome dropping the little blinking thing into the water to blow up Mr. Incredible and Mr. Incredible finds Gazer Beam and that's that scene is really fun. Um, the invisibility of Violet. I just re- the other thing that I remembered is how much their um, superpowers had to do with them as people and what they were. Um, uh, what the, not their flaws, but the things their strengths their strengths and what defined them mm. were also their powers. So, Elastigirl uh, being extremely flexible, extremely flexible, and mm-hmm. trying to take care of everything at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then just the fun of somebody like Dash. And I remember him running on water, which was like the most fun. I remember people clapping in the theater when that happened. So it was just, I just remember lots of moments like that. Hmm. You got busy. I remember that, that moment. <laughs> Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And he's zapping them around. So... I have to say, rewatching it, um, I think in the year 2018, that's this year, right? Yes. That is this um, year. And as an adult, I think I got two new things out of it that I did before. I'm not the first person to say this. This is a not an original thought. Um, there's much on the internet about it now, but Syndrome is very topical right now. He just feels like every bad Star Wars fan ever. It's like they watched what happened to Star Wars in the first half of 2018, then made a Pixar movie about it, then went back in time 15 years and started marketing it. <laughs> like he's just everything about toxic fandom is syndrome. It feels very of the moment. It doesn't feel like that the heart of that movie is aged at all. No. 
You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> and the other thing I didn't get this time as a kid was that Gazer Beam was gay. Really? They talk about him like fighting for rights and blah blah blah. His name is Gazer Beam. And then I felt confirmed because when I saw Incredibles 2 12 hours later, there's like a cutaway scene to like a news clip reel in the past where he's like meeting with the mayor and shaking hands with his his partner male superhero. And they have the two phones next to each other at the guy's mansion. Even, though they, even though they ring the same phone, probably. Yeah. They dial the same number. Exactly. I don't think I'm reading into it too much. I'm pretty sure Gazer Beam is gay. <laughs> Okay. That's not that's not like an ingest read. That's a I honestly this is my critical reflection of this movie. <laughs> it was meant in Incredibles one. It's kind of a throwaway joke for those who knew and I didn't know then. Um and now <laughs> they're just solidifying it. I see. Mm-hmm. Good job, Pixar. Two takeaways. <laughs> so now that we, we talked about that, I want to hear about um, your experience watching Incredibles 2, because yes. we haven't talked about it yet, and I, I'm insanely curious. And it was a surprising amount of time ago for when we're recording this podcast and when it's coming out. Um, so <laughs> let me tell you about how I saw Incredibles 2. Um, so for those of you listeners who don't know, I live in the Bay Area, and Pixar also lives in the Bay Area. <laughs> You can't visit as a normie, um, but they're up in Emeryville, like right by the Bay Bridge. They're on the water. It's very cute. I'm sure the sandpipers they saw for Piper were like right outside the building. Uh, like that's just their their scene is right there. Um, and then you can't go in. You can't visit Pixar. That's not a thing you can do. Um, but occasionally they hold events for charity or uh, different kind of fundraiser type things for good causes. Um, and if you buy a ticket or are attending in some way, you're allowed in, which is great. So it's a really cool experience overall, and they have a whole guest experience thing that they do. They have their game down really well, but they just don't do it every day. So I saw Incredibles 2 because there's a group called Women in Animation, or WIA. There's a number of them in uh, different cities. Here, I'm doing the plug for WIA now. Um, so it's a networking group for women who work in animation, as it may say. And they were holding an event that was a fundraiser for the group as a whole, not just one of their local city chapters, I think. Um, and the point of the event was they screened Bow, the short that precedes Incredibles 2, and held a filmmaker talk about how it was made with both the director and one of the producers on it, who are women. And they talked about their experience at Pixar and growing in their careers with Pixar and uh, through uh, their relationships with other women higher up at Pixar who encouraged them and mentored them. So a really interesting event. I learned so much about Bao. It was awesome. Can't talk up enough. Love the short, love the talk, all amazing. And then they happen to show Incredibles 2 afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what's unique about it is it was also, I think they said it was the second screening of the final movie they'd ever done. So the cast and crew saw it the night before we did, and then we saw it. <laughs> so no one else has seen it yet. Um, also, if you're at Pixar listening to this, and I hope you are, uh, this was recorded on June 19th, well after the release of the movie. I'm not saying anything pre-release. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you. Um, it's a great space. Uh, Chris, I know you're interested in what Pixar looks like <laughs> also. Well, I've watched a lot of... Um, DVD extras. Oh. So I've seen their paper airplane contests and other things that have gone on there and some rooms, but I've never been inside the hollowed halls. It's very cool. I have been once before for a charity art auction and I saw a little bit less of it. Uh, I think there's a lot of buildings on the campus, but this is the main building. Um, don't laugh. The Steve Jobs building, um, that is where guests get to go. Because if you don't know the history, Steve Jobs was involved with Pixar. I'm not just like making up a name of a building. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm aware. 
Uh, I know you're aware. <laughs> so you go into Pixar, you go past the guard at the gate, um, you park your car in visitor's parking, um, and then you walk in, and as you're walking up, they have a giant Luxo lamp and ball that you can take a picture with and like hang out at. Again, if you're invited, you can't just show up at the Bay Area and expect to be led into Pixar. Um, and then in the main building, they have their cafe um, and a gift shop. The gift shop was unfortunately closed, so I couldn't buy anything. Um, but they rotated some of the stuff they have in there. They have different art that they hang up. They do like, I think it's like concept art where they're doing a movie. And then the ones I really like, they blow up and print out big and hang on the walls. So when I went last time, they had some of the concept art for the lava short hanging up. Mm. And this time it was all Incredibles 2. So it was a fantastic, like, Incredibles 2 character mural that inspired the movie poster with all the characters on it. Hanging on the back wall. Has everything in, like, the 50s, 60s style. Uh, there's some great kind of, like, mod concept art with the family and the raccoon on it. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think what else there is to say. They had an art exhibit up. So because everyone at Pixar is a very talented artist, um, they have different exhibits they have at different times. And so we wandered around upstairs. They had a whole Coco concept art and character model exhibit where they had the clay models for Coco, um, both initial and final, and the different concept art and different videos about making the scenes. And the other side, they had all kinds of Incredibles too, like concept art and the same thing which i tried to spend very little time looking at because it was right before i saw the movie <laughs> <laughs> so i can't evaluate that one as uh critically because i intentionally didn't spend time looking at it um what else oh one of the best things the pixar movie theater mm -hmm. so wonderful you go in it's a nice space and then right as the movie's starting they kind of like close the curtains on the screen and the lights go dim and you look up and the ceiling of the movie theater illuminates with stars and there's like little cricket noises and summer night noises and then like as you're watching if you pay attention for a minute shooting stars streak across it it's really cool sets the whole mood for like outdoor summer movie with your family kind of deal I like the mood that it puts you in they know what their audience is <laughs> and then with that what ha what happened after that they just started playing the film yeah yeah no trailers no trailers no ads no let's go to the lobby <laughs> no massive coke ads no just no there's in fact no food or drink allowed in the movie theater what it's a it's an office it's not a movie theater i know <laughs> it's a professional like here's what could a screen with like Bob Iger to come in and come see it. I don't know I'm making that up um, I don't for the very little tiny portion of Pixar that I've seen does it answer all the questions you've ever had about those about what you've saw yes yes it does okay what does the floor look like wood okay yeah uh, the general rule is when I've been in the past at smaller events it's kind of like stay on the wood floor don't leave uh, this one is a little more cordoned off so it's more clear where you can and can't go oh and they have all the oscars and like everything up against the wall at the beginning which is cool so if you want to see like a wall of oscars <laughs> pixar's place to go well with that being said let's talk about the film itself incredibles <laughs> 2 <laughs> Which has one of the coolest Disney logo openings with like the, the graphic style to make it look like Incredibles with the castle and everything. Michael Giacchino music going. Really fun. But I, I like that you're already wowed before the movie even really begins. I know. For me, I was like, I'm here. <laughs> I, In it. I'm done. <laughs> I can you, leave you now. Me. I got my money's worth. <laughs> so the question that I have as, as we watch Incredibles 2 is what is the story that we have? Um, because when 
Incredibles ends, the original one ends, we see the family come together as a group. They all put their masks on in one of the coolest moments as the camera moves back and forth as they put their masks on and it reveals that everyone has their mask on. And then, you know, Mr. Incredible does the Superman thing of rip your shirt open and roll the in credits. (laughs) So... With that, it leaves you with this expectation of you're going to have a family who fights crime together. They finally understand it. They're a family together. They need all of them. Each one of them is special and is, each one of them is going to be important. So then the big question about Incredibles 2 is how far in the future is it going to jump? It turns out, no time. <laughs> zero. It jumps zero time. <laughs> maybe, maybe like uh, two minutes. Yeah. Tops. And honestly, I like that because Incredibles One doesn't address the big world problems that kind of lead to the state that things are in. For supers at the beginning of Incredibles One, so Incredibles Two kind of picks it up like. Here's a cool action scene. We're going to do some fun concepts and entries to elements of story. And by the way, nothing in the greater world has changed. They had this wonderful family moment and their journey and their arc in the first movie. But ultimately, that doesn't mean anything for the rest of the world. And the rest of the world being supers are illegal. Yes. And people don't want them back. It's not like they're illegal and it's like... People think that's an unjust law. It's the general sentiment of the public is, yeah, they're illegal and they should be. They destroyed the city. Whether we as an audience agree with that or not. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the world. Um, and that's definitely the, the world that we get with the police immediately after the giant opening action sequence with the underminer. Um, played again by... John Ratzenberger. So and we get a giant fight with tons of collateral damage, as you would expect in a... What's what's interesting is you essentially get uh, a final battle in the opening sequence with all the collateral damage of a final superhero movie fight, which puts a a massive, massive period on the statement of, we don't want you. Mm. We don't need you. We don't want you. You be gone. As far as general audience, not audience, the general public in the world. The general public and the the authorities. The police are like, "You you didn't catch the underminer. He got away. The banks are insured, so they'll be fine. And you just caused massive destruction. And really, nothing would have changed had you not intervened. Mm-hmm. It would have been the same outcome. But the movie Incredibles 2 does a really fun job telling that story. <laughs> right. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the things I really appreciated right out the gate is that with Incredibles 2, the two members of the Incredi family who are kind of like arguably... Um, have the lesser superpowers in the first movie immediately get beefed up. Violet gets like cool energy slicing sword things and Elastigirl does all kinds of crazy stuff. Like they're both their abilities are beefed up beyond what it was in the first film. And I don't know how much of that has to do with 14 years of technology passing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, yes. But... <laughs> So glad they got beefed up. <clears throat> I I agree. I, I wanted... As far as cool powers, Violet has some of the, the cooler powers. Invisibility and the force fields. Yeah. that That's just really cool stuff. It's more interesting than uh, the Flash. I'm sorry, Dash, <laughs> who can run fast. Um, and definitely Mr. Incredible, who can um, punch things. Yeah, Violet felt very like 1950s Sue Storm in the first one, and now she feels like 2002 Sue Storm. 
And as I, f- I forget the the honest trailer for The Incredibles that said I, that's the other thing I did. I watched The Incredibles um, honest trailer to in preparation. Oh, yeah. That'll refresh you. Mm-hmm. So basically, which we'll leave a link to, but um, it was the Fantastic Four movie that <laughs> that we 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 should have had. I mean, I see why they're doing that satire. I disagree dramaturgically. Yes, drama. Yes, absolutely. But it's just that's the one thing you think about as a family of heroes. And the dynamic of the Incredibles lets you do things that are completely different than things you could do with Fantastic Four. I, I did enjoy where they said where Mr. Fantastic is married to the thing. Because of Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. It's like, which would be even more interesting. But, mm. eh. <laughs> but the, the Incredibles 2, for me, when we look at it, there was a major expectation that I had going into it. And the, the expectation that I had personally um, and I think I texted you about this when you were going to go see it, was how are they going to balance 14 years later the expectation of Elastigirl being more important? Because The Incredibles is very much solidly and clearly Mr. Incredibles movie. Um, yes. Yeah, there's a lot less Elastigirl than I remember rewatching it. Um, she does have that awesome sequence where she gets stuck indoors, literally indoors. Yes. <laughs> that That's one of the best sequences. It's really imaginative and awesome in the first film, but she doesn't really get much. I mean, she does fly a plane and she does turn into a parachute and save the day in many ways. But as a character, there's not much that she's allowed to do. In the first film. Yeah. And I remember you texting me this. You did. You did text me that. Um, <laughs> and I think I just came out of seeing it. Or it was like the next day or something. Because I tried to be very coy. Did you feel satisfied in how they balanced it? No. You still felt there's too much Mr. Incredible? No. No. I I felt like... There's not enough, Mr. Incredible? I felt like there was more Elastigirl. Yes. And there is. And she is awesome. <clears throat> the The action sequences that she has are really inventive. Everything on her Elasticycle, I guess. Oh, is, yeah. The like Elasticycle's that, amazing. Those sequences, I was just spellbound. Like, oh, my gosh, look at her go. That's That's ridiculously great um what i missed from elastigirl though is something that they gave mr incredible in the first film which is a reason for wanting to be a hero and something to struggle with and i feel like she did struggle a little bit with i'm leaving my family but it was so but it was more of I'm leaving Robert in charge. Hmm. And it so her struggle was will the family be okay without me because I'm leaving him in charge. Like that was her struggle which is a little bit more external than Mr. Incredible deciding to lie to his family and deciding to you know, go off and do something and just do it all for selfish reasons. Essentially, you know, doing the the breaking bad of like, I did it, I enjoyed it, and I was good at it. So I did it. And I said I was doing it for you. But it was really for myself. Sorry for all the spoilers for five seasons of breaking bad. But <laughs> see, I disagree. I feel the exact opposite about Elastigirl. Really? I thought she did us something to struggle with. Yeah. I read her struggle as learning how to find value in herself for her talents and powers rather than just her 
powers of being a mom. Mm. I think she struggles with it the whole movie. That's how they kind of get her on the hook. Um, and she starts to see that in herself and find that balance of not just being too much on the mom side of things, but also like having a career. She can have it all, as Tina Fey would say. Because <laughs> they, they throw in... Um, I mean, what's-her-face spoilers? Sorry, stop listening now. If you haven't seen Incredibles 2, go see Incredibles 2. Pause this. Buy a movie taken to the Fandango app. Go to the movie theater. And then leave the movie theater, put your headphones in, and hit play. Now. Great, you've seen the movie. Awesome. <laughs> so, the villain... <laughs> The sister who gets her on the hook um, kind of plays into her like we want to have someone who's kind of plays into like the feminine stereotype thing. We want someone like softer to do this. Um, but we also want to empower you. You have always taken the backseat. We want you to be in front. And then there's um, the really cool secondary hero slash villain. Uh, the green and purple one. Void. Void. Void, who's Elastigirl's biggest fan, and she kind of, like, ignores at first, a la Syndrome, FYI, like, exact same interaction, mm -hmm. and then learns to, like, embrace that fandom and kind of mentor Void. Um, so I thought there was a lot about Elastigirl's internal struggle that was more subdued. I don't think she knows that's what she wants at the beginning, but she finds that out. Mm. I'm wondering if... It has to do with scale in that case. It was too big for you? Too big, too quick. Mm. So here's the, here's the example. She gets her new elasticycle, and it's electric. Um, she gets on it. She has a hard time. She, like, trips up on it a little bit. And then she's like, oh, okay, I got it. Blasts out, she's an expert. She has it, she has it completely down. Um, she goes out and her first big thing is saving the hover train. So it's this massive thing that she doesn't have any mistakes on, doesn't doesn't mess up at all, and solves it. And yes, it goes against. I know that part of it is playing against how bad Mr. Incredible is at things, you know, because he's all collateral damage. And there's that argument that, that they give about, you know, how many people die and how much money is spent because you punching stuff. There's just too much, too much damage, too much money. Mm -hmm. um, he's too much of a, um, a risk. And then Elastigirl, who pulls it off without any casualties, she saves the train, nothing explodes, everything's fine. Which I guess is partly to show just how impressive it, she is. But, but she's so... She's out of practice. See, I read it as a lot of the early challenges for her, they're set up for her to succeed with the train and everything. They want to kind mm -hmm. of build that up and the, the villain wants to bring that down. Right, right. The screen slaver. Um, wants people to like her and then really bring down the hero thing. Um, so I saw this as designed for her to win and to be a little bit too easy. Hmm. Um, the cycle I was willing to buy because they established that Elastigirl's good at vehicles. Right. Here's a plane that's crashing. Great. I got it. Boom. Elasticycle. It's a little different, so I'm going to, okay, all right, I think I got this, and go on with it. I see your criticisms, but I guess I was willing to suspend my disbelief. While I was watching it, I was suspending. I didn't question it. I was just wowed by it. <laughs> um because it is a great sequence. It is it is one of the best superhero sequences in any superhero film. Yeah. Um, it's really original, which is hard to do with the set of powers you give your main characters. Yes. Yes. Being able to stretch. <laughs> what? <laughs> what an original concept! 
<laughs> and that's not right. That's it's a good archetype. You could do a lot to play with it. It doesn't have to be an original superpower. I'm just saying it's impressive they came up with original action sequences to do. Exactly. Um, I think for me, I, I did enjoy the the juxtaposition of her with the villain and those scenes with the villain. Um, gosh, I can't remember her name. What is her name? I have to look it up because I can't. That's that's just so bad that I can't remember the villain's real name. Evelyn Deaver. Yes, Evelyn. So I did enjoy all their scenes together, which makes me question villains. Can we talk a little bit about villains? Yeah, like the whole setup of the villain? Uh, Just who the villain is and how it's set up and the main arguments of the villain and this villain in comparison to Syndrome and... Yeah. So what I like about Pixar, in their movies in general, is they don't go for a very black and white idea of what's good and what's bad. They set up a moral argument and they kind of come down on one side but make you see a little bit of the other side. I feel like this happens in Coco. It's in all the Toy Stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And here they do that, but they really play with it being a superhero slash spy movie and... You made a note, I have the note too. Just casting Bob Odenkirk, that's like the the herring, like, I'm the villain, I'm Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> <laughs> you see you see him come down in that suit, you hear him talk, and he it's says, just like, make supers legal again. Oh, yeah, and it's like you don't trust him at all. There is zero trust. And I'm really sorry, Bob, but there's zero trust for anything Bob Odenkirk says. And it's not just our second Breaking Bad. It's not just because of Breaking Bad that I don't trust It's because of Better Call Saul. It's because of Better Call Saul. I just, it's just, it's very hard. It's very hard to unhear the smarm in his voice that he puts out there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that's deliberate. I think that's deliberate casting that right away you're thinking he's the villain. He's totally untrustworthy. It's him. That's the villain. And I appreciated that. He's very deliberately cast and directed and he's very, naive and that kind of plays into some topical things right now. Um, but also they don't come down. He's not bad. Ultimately, no. you just suspect him the entire time of being the bad guy because he's Bob Odenkirk. You think he's a bad guy, or at least know that you're set up to think that he's the bad guy. <laughs> right. And I think my wife and I made eye contact on the line. I'm just the genius behind the genius. And then that was the moment of, oh yeah, she's the villain. That's her. That's it. And what was funny was <laughs> the couple sitting next to us, the husband was like, yeah, she's the, she's the bad guy. It's her. <laughs> like, like everyone in the theater at that moment was like, it's, it's totally her. Mm-hmm. It has to be her, which makes me wonder about mystery. And in a lot of mysteries, especially in books like the Da Vinci Code, the you want to feel smart as the person experiencing it. Mm. And sometimes they give you the answer before they give the character the answer to make you feel smart or to give you a feeling of catharsis and excitement. Oh, it's her. So if we are in on the fact that Evelyn is the villain earlier than Elastigirl is in on it, that gives 
dramatic tension to every scene that follows. But, but. what is but what is the effectiveness of Evelyn as the villain? Hmm. She is a villain. <laughs> a villain. A villain. A villain. A, a villain. <laughs> I didn't um, think of that until just now. I mean, I think this ups and downs that I think that she's brilliantly acted. Yes. Whatever you think of the part and how it's done, it's brilliantly acted um, and performed mm. so well. Including animation wise. Yeah, especially animation wise. Uh, her hair is a character on its own. <laughs> um, I love that. I think I love this. I think I love it. I love that you're putting Elastigirl as working mom uh, fighting against the evil villain of uh, spending too much time on your devices and looking at screens. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really lo- it ultimately wasn't about that, but I really like <laughs> that Uber setup. <laughs> She's going to have mom themed villains. Great. <laughs> Not to put her in a box, because ultimately it wasn't a mom-themed villain, but it's just such a perfect thematic villain, which is maybe part of the setup. Um, and yeah, I don't super know how I feel about the denouement of the whole villain thing. So I also just saw Ocean's 8, which is not an animated movie, um, but <laughs> nor is it good for kids. Um, but it's a similar, like... We're women, and we can be bad guys, too, vibe. Uh, which is great, and I loved it. There's some very, very funny moment in Ocean's 8, and in retrospect, thinking of that, at the when I saw Incredibles 2, before seeing Ocean's 8, I feel like seeing Ocean's 8 colors my view of Incredibles 2 more. Did that sentence make sense? I believe so, to me at least. There's a uh, lot of numbers. <laughs> Ocean's 8, which is the fourth Ocean's film, Obviously. Fifth, if you count the original. I know. Um, but yeah, so the denouement I thought was interesting. It was kind of, my notes say, but in the end, dot, 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 hashtag not all men, question mark. Yeah. It's complicated. I have adult complicated feelings. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point, but somehow her arguments fall a little close to syndrome, I feel. Of trying to take down supers? Yeah, of being the the normal person who hates superheroes for what they represent. So for, or what they do to people. So for example, syndrome says that everyone is superior. You know, that supers are superior, that... I can't be, I'm super, I'm, what is he? I am superior because of my intellect and what I can do. It's not just because of superpowers. That doesn't trump everything that I can do because he's a genius. You know, so I, he's worthwhile as well. And that's part of the argument is like, look, all it takes is a little bit of technology and suddenly we can be as good as you. Hmm. I see the dichotomy this way. Syndrome is a villain who really loves superheroes and takes that to mm. the extreme. And Screenslaver is a villain who really hates superheroes and takes that to the extreme. Hmm. So he... and. I suppose there is the more personal vendetta that Syndrome has against superheroes because he was personally slighted. His childhood was ruined. Mm -hmm. I mean, so was Evelyn's, technically. (laughs) Technically, hers was as well. Her dad got murdered, etc. Which I feel wasn't as strong as... I don't know, the... This is the world of Incredibles 2 that gets a little bit murky. Um, and I just want to say again, I really enjoyed the film. <laughs> so all these are just questions that we have dramaturgically. Part of the fun 
of films is looking at what's there and trying to figure out what it was saying and, you know, how it was said uh, and just looking at the storytelling of it, right? That's the fun. I'm not, I'm not Last jedi this or anything by any means. But the question that I, I'm wondering about is if an idea or a group of people can be a main character. So part of Incredibles 2, I feel, is in trying to make the world bigger by incorporating other heroes, which was awesome to see other superpowers, um, Reflux, which was fun, um, and Void, <laughs> Void, who was awesome. So Portal the game, the superhero. <laughs> so you have you have other superheroes, and then you have a larger world while you're also trying to include all the family members, because now your expectation is that all the family members are gonna play a bigger part in things. So you have five people in the Incredibles family all of them overshadowed by Jack Jack. And then, you know, you you get, you even get Frozone in there more, but then all this, this other group of superheroes, and then you have the whole world and Chet, you know, the reporters and ambassadors and larger world and the countries, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas, and maybe it's because of a limit of technology we had a family drama with superhero costumes where now we have a superhero movie that happens to have a family of superheroes in it. So I'm just wondering if the main character are, <laughs> and that's sorry I said it, the main characters are superheroes in general. Mm. And if that's the case, it's, hey, we have a reason to exist and we're using Elastigirl and the other family members to exemplify this argument of we are worthwhile, we can give, we are nurturing and we can save the world and we can do what superheroes are meant to do versus the argument of superheroes are just for destruction and they make things worse and they make the people's belief in superheroes is their downfall. Hmm. And if that's, I know that those are the two main arguments and I feel like the family got lost a little bit in that, in those arguments. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I agree, but again, I think I was fine with it. <laughs> I think that's my <laughs> my my takeaway on Incredibles too. Um, yeah, for me, the first movie feels like how do you be a superhero when you have a family, and the second one feels like how do you have a family when you're a superhero? Mm -hmm. They're very complementary nature. I felt like the family part was fine because Elastigirl is pretty comfortable with her family. She's not comfortable being a superhero at this point. So her arc is not as much about that. It's about having that trust in her family and Mr. Incredible. Um, but Mr. Incredible is trying to have a family for the first time, really. He's either been True. a superhero or been at work. And one of the things that I love, 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 love about Incredibles 2 is Mr. Incredible does not win a single fight in the entire movie. The Underminer gets away and he loses that. He loses the fight when he has to fight Elastigirl. And he even needs help in his only fight in the climax where he's fighting against Brick and Elastigirl has to come in and help him. Because it's not his movie. That's not his struggle. He's fine being a superhero. It's okay if he loses all these. He has to learn to find value in not being a hero and in his family. Mm -hmm. He helps. He helps. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the deus ex machina. The family right. is not 
the savior here. Elastigirl's Elastigirl's savior. And I, I think... What was I going to say? The strongest moments for Mr. Incredible were also the ones that made Mr. Incredible look terrible. Yeah. And that was great. Him falling asleep at Edna's house. Like, this is perfect. Him on the phone with Elastigirl. <laughs> where she's just so excited about what she's able to do and he's just hating hearing about it and just resents everything about what's going on. Mm -hmm. But there's also that moment where he wakes up in the middle of the night and rec- or no, he's he's not even asleep. <laughs> he hasn't slept, and he recognizes. Wait, I if I want to be a good father, if I want to help Dash with his homework, I have to learn it. So he gets out of bed and he starts to work on it, and he figures it out. <laughs> I turned to my wife and I said, "What? Being a dad takes effort? <laughs> like what? Like and and I think that's what it is." Um, in the first film, you see the, the great scene, the montage of him exercising and running <laughs> and measuring himself again and lifting those tanker cars, you know, and just like getting better and working and I'm being the best I can be. And then this is, you know what, I'm going to study hard and I'm going to help my son in this and it's going to take effort and I'm going to work at it. And this is going to take effort to help my daughter and I'm going to show concern and be there. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's like, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Incredible for trying. <laughs> he learns that it takes effort paralleling his journey from the first movie. And also I think the added lesson is that he can't just attack everything with his metaphorical dad fists and have it work. Cause he messes up Violet's whole thing. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. You can't just go in fists ablazing and make can't things work. can't unpunch somebody. <laughs> Good moral. <laughs> Incredible too. What do you do when you can't unpunch someone? <laughs> but that's not the uh, the moral dialogue line of the movie. The moral dialogue of line, which I wrote down, which they say at the beginning, is it better to follow a bad law or go outside the law to change it and do something good? They say that. They say that in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they expressly say their theses. Yeah. It's not the character heart of the movie, like we've been talking about. The characters have different journeys altogether, and then the thematic arc is highlighted by these things. Yes. And the villain. <laughs> so, all in all, I think it was a really good Pixar film. Um, I think I'm, it's going to take one more time viewing for me to see which is the stronger, um, film between the two of them, so to speak, you know, is, which is stronger. But I think in starting it immediately after there are, there are a couple things that happen. One it turns it into one continuous story. Yes. I definitely have the benefit here. <laughs> it turns it into one big story that where with an intermission instead of <laughs> uh, a sequel that would take place five years from the future. You know, Jack Jack is in kindergarten and has two powers instead of 17. Um, but I, I can't feel what Mr. Incredible was feeling with being overwhelmed by, by his baby um, and not knowing what to do and feeling like there are 15 of them um, and feeling like it's a bigger problem and they disappear. You don't know where they are. You can't follow them 
It's like, you know, they're in the house. Um, <laughs> Do you want a cookie? Nom nom cookie. I, th- I feel like that was the, that and the raccoon. Um, I think if, if Incredibles 2 hadn't been about the world that the Incredibles existed in, I think if it had been more focused on the family um, story, I feel like Jack-Jack would have been the villain. (laughs) The antagonist. Yes. Yes, the antagonist. Not necessarily a villain, just the antagonist. Um, And in in one world, there's a moment where Jack-Jack can't control things and causes major devastation, and they have to stop their own baby. Honey, I blew up the kids? Yep, basically. So there's one story about that where it's really a family thing. Um, but that's not the story they were telling. I'm glad they had more Jack Jack because Jack Jack attack the short film was exactly what I wanted. I wanted just (laughs) more of that baby and his crazy powers. Yeah. That baby right there. Give me more. Give me more of that baby. More Jack Jack. My cup of baby. I mean, there is a reason why my son's name is Jack. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not not because of the Incredibles. Um, <laughs> but it is it is nice. Well, that's to a think disappointing of that. setup. <laughs> it was a little misleading. Um, <laughs> is there anything else we want to say about this film? Man, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I've been learning more about my feelings about it as we've been talking. Like I'm saying things and realizing that's what I think and feel. Um, (laughs) But I stand by all of them. I do. I really like this movie. Um, I think I personally enjoy it more than Incredibles one. I said it Mm. world. Um, I was more interested in Elastigirl's arc and Mr. Incredible who I, I don't like as much as other people as a character. Uh, but I felt like his arc was about beating him down and learning, which I appreciated. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you, I mean, you heard my take on Mr. Incredible <laughs> in the first film. Like he's not a likable character. He's, no. he's basically a heroic anti-hero. Yeah. He's, he's an anti-hero in the right color spandex. He is not a nice guy. Even in the glory days when he's Mr. Incredible, He's still not the best hero. He starts off as not a great guy, and he ends the story better, which is good. He ends um, up as not a good guy. <laughs> and I think Incredibles 2 finishes his story in terms of now you get to be... I think it's... The hard part about it, the, the original Incredibles was... I can accept my children when they're super. And the second film is I can accept my children for who they are. Yes. So I think that's a stronger message, Mr. Incredible wise. Yeah. So I I do like that. Um, I'm going to have to see it again. Shucks. I'm going to have to see it again. Oh, darn. I think you should. (laughs) I recommend it. I recommend a two viewing experience and you should marathon it. I am. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to rewatch it because I think um, the the first track in the Incredibles 2 soundtrack. Um, yes, I downloaded it from Apple Music, but um, <laughs> the first track is called Episode 2. And so if you look at it as bookends instead of as, you know, a 14 year later follow up, I think. That's also part of the problem is 14 years of what's the story going to be. Yeah, it's a long time to go to have such a direct thematic opposite um, Mm -hmm. to accompany your first one. Um, Especially for people like me who don't really remember the first one as well. (laughs) It's interesting you said it's called episode two, though, because I made some notes that I felt this is very much more in the theme of like, 
1960s action cartoons than spy movie. Well, they had a Johnny Quest episode more going there. They had a Johnny Quest episode going, and there was a Quest building in the background in the city. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Johnny Quest stuff happening, and it's very, like, villain of the week, like Scooby-Doo. Like, ooh, who's the screen slaver? It's the pizza guy! Hmm. <laughs> Well, Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing from The Incredibles 2? I do, but you should say yours first, because mine is the same one, and you deserve credit for saying it better than I will. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, my favorite thing is the whole dynamic between Edna and Jack-Jack. Just the scene of her being totally reluctant to watch the child, Mm -hmm. and then just being enamored with the child. And it is exactly what happens with normal children. (laughs) It's, it's, I really don't want anything to do with you. Like, I don't want to babysit. I don't want to work. And then you realize they're amazing. They're amazing things. And you're just like, I just want to explore and I will take part of it. And, I'm all in. And just she's like anti-Edna. She Mm -hmm. calls herself anti-Edna. And I will watch him for free. And just like any um, close family friend babysitter watches the baby, suddenly the baby's more attached to them than the family. Yes. I agree. The whole interaction is great. I think when they're doing the the costume slides in the chairs and Jack-Jack is doing the same poses as Edna. Oh, with the lollipop. Uh. With the lollipop. Um, And, you know my pet peeve of trailers. I have to give kudos where kudos are due to either Pixar marketing or Disney marketing or somebody. Because I hate it when the trailers show every joke in the movie, which is one of my beefs with Incredibles 1, I think. Um, Mm. The trailer showed a lot of that movie. And this one, specifically for Edna and Jack-Jack, they, like, cut down the framing. They show in the trailer Edna, like, peering down at Jack-Jack and getting a big smile on her face and really enjoying it. In the movie, that's when Jack-Jack transforms into Edna's head. So kudos, marketing department, for saving that surprise for the movie. A+. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of surprises. Yes. My biggest pet peeve is trailer. I watch all the trailers again and again and again. Like, don't show me the movie. Don't show me the jokes. Do something new with the joke that's not in the trailer. Incredibles 2 did this. Jack, Jack, and Edna. Bam. (laughs) Awesome. Well, should we talk about homework time? We should. For next time on Writers Get Animated, we're going to talk about um, shows that aren't animated, (laughs) but they do an animated episode. Why would you do that? What's the point of that? What are you saying? Uh, Notably, this year, uh, you should watch from the most recent season of Supernatural, I said it, um, your mileage may vary for being kid-friendly, Scooby Natural, Season 13, episode 16, the Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover that you always wanted and didn't know existed. Um, And there's other good examples you should watch out there in the world. Uh, We may not get as in-depth. At least watch one of these things as your option for the show. Hot in Cleveland, the animated episode. Season 5, episode 18. Farscape, Revenging Angel. Season 3, episode 16. Uh, Broad City Mushrooms, season four, episode four. I know very not kid friendly. Very, very on every level not kid friendly, but fun to watch and interesting for um, adults. For adults. Um, or Eureka, do you see what I see? Season four, episode twenty one. And there's probably other examples. If you have a good example of an animated episode of a live action show, you should tweet at us at WG Animated. And let us know. Getting ahead of things, but yes. (laughs) As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our engineer. And we want to say thank you to Jacob Reed for our new theme music. 
Woo, 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 woo. We're knocking it up a notch. Kicking it up a notch. Doing something up a notch. Yes, it's definitely up. I'm and spice weaseling it. Bam! <laughs> um, if you have opinions about our show and want to share, um, you can tweet at us at WGAnimated, as previously stated. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WGAnimated. And you can find all of our show notes and links to the things we've talked about on our uh, Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. That's right. I have to think about that one's right. Yes. Yes. It's been a while since I've done that that pitch. <laughs> Good night, darlings. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>